I want to welcome you to this service today. Today we're going to be talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power that He rose up into and how that pertains to our life. We're going to continue and I'm going to just repeat some of the things I've said last week and add some new things in on why it is important to have a physical resurrection in your theology and why Jesus was physically raised from the dead. Sadly, in Christianity today, there's a form of Christianity that goes around wherein the end goal and what we see is how God saves us from this planet and take us to another spiritual place called heaven where we will just forever be in heaven. I've seen people say, you know, that if you die, then when people die, when loved ones die, they are where they always wanted to be and they are going to be there forever. And the mindset is that we are spirits, that we are incarnated into human bodies and that we temporarily would live in this body. And then when we die, our spirits would leave our bodies and we would be with God. And when our spirits are with God, that is where we will for, forever be. We will live in the new Jerusalem. We will walk on streets of gold and we will never see sickness, disease or anything like that. Uh, everything that we've desired on this earth will be there. Everything would be in abundance and so forth. And we would live in heaven in a spiritual form or as spirits. And from there we've had teachings that says that we are spirits that lives in a body. <coughs> Excuse me. And that we have a mind as well. So we are a spirit and then we possess bodies. Now, uh, there's a problem with that because the scripture clearly says... Uh, that Jesus said that he is not a spirit and that he, uh, a spirit doesn't have a body and that he has a body, meaning that Jesus is not a spirit, but that Jesus is a glorified human that was raised from the dead. Now, the moment we say something like that, that is seen as very radical, offensive, and people can just switch the TV off or switch the people that's watching the live stream right now on YouTube, uh, they can just switch it off and say, well, I don't want to hear anything further blasphemy. But I would like you to listen to what I want to teach today because this is, according to the Apostle Paul, the power of God that will save you from sin and from death. Because as Christians, we want to see a brand new life manifest in us. If I think of my own life, I do see shortcomings in my life. And the things that I struggle with, and I'm sure with you as well, the things that you struggle with, you have struggled with it for a very long time. And then you have to come to the conclusion, you've got to say, God, help me and show me how I can be free and experience your quality of life. And I think in my life there were, you know, you, there are certain things that you struggle with. doesn't matter what it is. And whatever weakness you think, even if it's low self-worth or fear or fear about your future, fear about your children, whatever it is, you might struggle with fear. You might have been struggling with fear for so long. And you've tried the teaching on casting out the devil. You've been for deliverance so many times. You've tried the teaching of confessing your sin. You've confessed your sins and you've worn the recommit button out. Uh, you have been for counseling. You've You've been on the whole passage on standing on the word. You've been 
down the path of being ashamed of your fear and confessing scripture in the midst of your fear and you find that you are just a very fearful person quoting scriptures and you're not free. There is a place where we can actually walk in freedom and that freedom is free from our efforts. It's something that God has promised. It's something that is up to Him to bring forth. And that freedom from the fruit of the flesh is all connected in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ wherein He today is a physical human being seated in the Godhead from where He will return. And there's a great importance in understanding the dynamics of the physicality of the resurrection of Jesus. Because when we understand that, the Apostle Paul says, we are set free from our sins. It is actually called by Paul, according to Romans 8, walking according to the Spirit. Meaning, walking according to the life of God uh, that He brings forth in us. You can either walk according to human nature, or that is flesh. We can say human ability. That would be, in the Bible, understanding means to be in the flesh. Or you can find the source of life, the very life of God. So you can live by the life that is inside humans, or you can live, live by the eternal life of God. Now, today's message is going to be a teaching. In other words, it's not going to be a message where I'm just going to tell you uh, that <clears throat> how God feels towards you uh, and encourage you just with a message of trying to give you, uh, to lift your emotions by telling you family-orientated logic things on how much God loves you, things like He loses His breath over you, which I love to teach on, things like the definition of love, which simply means that um, who you are brings forth passions of love and kindness in God towards you because He wants to be with you forever and so forth. It's not going to be along that line. It's going to be a teaching that helps you to get understanding. And once this understanding settles in your heart, you will find that you don't have to go from encouragement to encouragement every day, but where you have a new life born from the truth in the gospel through understanding. The Apostle Paul many times prays and says, thank you Lord for in giving people an enlightened understanding. Because once the Apostle Paul understood, I mean he knew the scriptures, he could quote the scriptures, he thought he understood the scriptures, but once Jesus appeared to him, then his mind was opened to understand the scriptures. And that's where I want to pick it up in Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> and we're going to look at what opens our minds to understand the scriptures. Now Luke chapter 24, um, let me find the right verse here. This is now from, I'm first going to just read verse 25, and this is uh, Jesus appearing to his disciples, and he said to them, after he appeared, he said, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village where they went. 
and he made as though he was going further. And they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went and tarried with them. And this was with the people that were on their way to Emmaus. Jesus came and said to them, <clears throat> Why are you so, so stubborn in your heart? The prophets have spoken about the death of the Messiah. The prophets have said all these things. And Jesus explained everything about the scriptures and the fulfillment of the scriptures to these people on their way to Emmaus. Then he broke bread with them and they realized it was the Messiah. Then now we're going to uh, pick it up in verse um, 33. It says, And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he appeared to Simon. And they, <clears throat> and they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. So when he broke the bread, then they realized this must be the Messiah. But they didn't recognize him as, this is really him. And we're going to see that now. And as they... And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. You know, and I find that in the church today. When we talk about the physical resurrection of Jesus, people think, that they would say, yes, Jesus was physically raised. But when you come to the conclusion of the understanding of the resurrection, then it's actually just a spiritual thing. It is we're going to just go to heaven and, and our spirits are forever going to be with, with God in heaven for we are spirits. And that's exactly where we make a mistake. You know, yes, we will go to heaven. Yes, we will be with the Lord. Our lives, like I want to say, we will, <clears throat> we will be in heaven in this form and in this way. Our lives will be safe in the hands of of God, where Paul says, I will be with him. Now, how that state is, is not even described in the Bible. Exactly what that is, is should we want to argue about that and describe that, we are at a place where we enter the paradigm of speculating, because the scripture is not clear. What the scripture is clear on is what will happen after the life, after death. In other words, the life after the life after death. What will happen in the resurrection? And that's what it is all about. So church, let me say it this way. We've been sidetracked, this is what I believe, I've been, we've been sidetracked into thinking that the focus is where I go when I die. But the Bible is not about that. Christianity is not about that. Christianity is all about, will you have eternal life? Will you live forever? Will your physical body be able to conquer death? Will you have that death-conquering power where you will be raised from the dead and where you will be saved from the body of death? That is what Christianity is about. And if we want to talk about that life, Scripture is full of it. We can talk about that. Amen. <clears throat> then we don't have to enter the area of speculation, but we can stay in the area of clarity of Scripture. Now, you might say, Ach, you know, what is the importance of this? I I'm busy showing you what the importance of this resurrection is and why we should start our gospel 
with the resurrection. Because when we start with the resurrection, we will understand the scriptures. Jesus comes and he says, the scriptures pointed to the death of the Messiah. And these people, their hearts were warm in them, but they, and they were thinking of how Jesus spoke to them, and they just had an emotional flashback on what Christ spoke to them when he was on the earth. But they didn't grasp the understanding of it all. And then he comes and he appears to them again. And as he appeared to them, then he said, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Like I said, it happens today. We think that, and we have many people teach that, that the, Jesus wasn't really uh, raised from the dead. People talk, people that are against Christianity talk about that. And then there are even Christians. People call themselves Christians. Teaching that Jesus, that it was a vision that these people saw. But here it says that um, they were afraid because they thought, oh, we've seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are you troubled? And why do these thoughts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. <laughs> Jesus said, look at me. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. This is not a spirit. It's not a vision. It is I myself, the very one that walked with you. No different one. That very one. It is him. It is I myself. Handle me. Touch me, he said, and see, for a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. So, <clears throat> the moment we see that Jesus says, this is me, and he refers to himself as a human being, and he says, touch me, and he's saying, I am not a spirit, for a spirit doesn't possess a body. Many people say, I am a spirit, I live in a body. No, a spirit doesn't possess a body. A spirit cannot have a body. That's what Jesus said here himself. Let me read it again, verse 39. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. Verse 40. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not... Now, <laughs> this amazes me. Let's read it again. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wonder, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did it before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I have spoken unto you while I was yet with you, and all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophecies and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that he might understand, that they might understand the scriptures. Okay. Now, what took place here? We, when we read it, this is how we read it in our lack of understanding of the scripture. We think that Jesus came, he appeared to them. They didn't understand the scriptures. He appeared, he showed himself to them, and he tried to explain himself, but he magically kept their minds closed, explaining, and they don't understand, explaining, and they don't understand. And then all of a sudden, goops, he, he just magically 
opened their minds to understand and good, now they're understanding. That is counterproductive because how can Jesus open their minds and say, <coughs> how can Jesus keep their minds closed, try to explain to them, then they don't understand, and then all of a sudden he opens their minds and now they understand. Then he's just wasted his breath all the time trying to explain. I hope you get what I'm saying. Now, <coughs> what's taking place here is these people couldn't believe that Jesus was physically raised from the dead. He appeared, it was a massive thing for the Almighty God to convince them that he was raised, that Jesus was raised from the dead. He appeared to the men on the way to Emmaus, they still didn't believe. Then he came, then they came and said, Jesus was truly raised because, you know, it's kind of, yeah, he was truly raised. We had communion and the way he did it, it must be him. It, it was, what I read there is, he was truly raised. Peter said he saw them, but when Jesus appeared to them, they were still in unbelief. And they thought that they saw a spirit. It was a time of confusion. They didn't know what was going on. They couldn't believe Jesus was physically raised from the dead. Then he said to them, listen guys, I am not a spirit. This is not my spirit that was raised from the dead. No, I was dead. I, you see me? I was dead. Now I'm raised. After he was raised, he appeared to them and said, it is I. It is not a resemblance of me. It's not a type of me. It's not a shadow of me. It is really me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. Handle me. Then they still didn't believe. They saw, the Bible says, they were still not believing. They were very happy because they thought, well, this is a very nice vision. And they were wondering, is this still true? They didn't know. Then Jesus did a further physical thing. And he said, do you have some food here? And they gave him fish and honeycomb and he ate. And then they got the revelation, wow, he was really raised from the dead. And then he said, you see the scriptures and you see this physicality. And when they could believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus and that Jesus would never be a spirit and that he is not a spirit, but that he is a physical human in a different glory, but the glory of eternal life and not the glory of mortality which we have, then they could understand the passages. Because all the scriptures is contained and written and the key that unlocks understanding to all scripture is the physical resurrection of Jesus. His death and his resurrection. That's it. So the moment you want to understand Genesis, you start with the resurrection. That's exactly the Apostle Paul and what he did. Paul knew the scriptures. He will learn it in the scriptures. He could argue and debate and he knew the scriptures. He was very zealous. And then when the resurrected Jesus appeared to him on the way to Damascus, he said, <clears throat> then he understood. Then he understood. Then he, wow, he went to, and there was a type and a shadow. There was like uh, scales on his eyes, and then Cornelius prayed for him, and it fell off. And what is it, what happens? He met the resurrected Jesus, and that 
and the type in the shadow shows, then the scales come off your eyes when you see the resurrected Jesus, a physical resurrection, where the end goal is not that we will go and play harp somewhere in heaven, but that the end goal is that we would be physical human beings, wherein after our resurrection, we would say, this is me. It is me who lived before I physically died. It is me. The only difference between the me back then and the me now is the me back then was subject to decay and now I am not subject to decay anymore. Therefore, sin has lost its power over me. That's what it's all about. And outside of seeing your inclusion in this physical resurrection, you're not going to experience the power of God as what you can experience it. What you're going to experience is the power of emotion in knowing that God doesn't look at your sin, that God is not angry with you, that Jesus took away your punishment, that you can have a place in heaven and so forth, and you will have, you will have joy from that. And I, I, I'm the, I can testify of that joy. It is a great joy. It's a wonderful joy. Yet, when you understand the power of this resurrection and you start to see your inclusion in the resurrection and you start to see how you are saved from a body of sin and death and you now find that it is the spirit that gives life that is now bringing forth this life it's not a law it's not an effort or any of that you start to see wow i am now sharing and i'm starting to share in the resurrection life of christ and the spirit of god is mortifying my members on the earth not me, the Spirit, by the Spirit, by this life of the resurrection. Amen. Whenever the Bible talks about Spirit, church, and, and those of you that have watched me regularly at, this morning, I said in church, it's so good <coughs> to preach to people that have heard grace for a long time. Because you can just say something and drop something that's difficult to understand in there, and they will just say, I grab it. I, I know what you're talking about. So I'm now calling on those that have listened to me for a long time. The moment you understand that on account of or because you are in a body of death, that is why sin manifests in you, you will know that trying to repent from your sins will never solve the problem. Because the problem is not you that sin willfully. The problem is that you cannot get free from sin because you've got a physical body that's under the power of death. And when you believe on and call upon the physical resurrection body, now you're going past, you are now not in the oldness of a dying body, but you're calling on the power of a physical resurrected body. And now you find the cure for that body coming to you and the revelation of a resurrected Jesus is now flowing into your life and you find the I want to use negative words to explain a positive thing the virus of life to which there is no antidote starting to grow in your body and live in you I heard uh, a, a medical doctor say something very interesting. He said a cancer cell, a cancer cell is a cell that cannot die. It's an immortal human cell. Now, and I realized it, it, it was like a revelation to me. Now, I haven't even planned on saying this and I 
Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will help me to give the right words here. So it's a cell that multiplies, but the previous cell doesn't die. So it continues to grow, and then it becomes so big that it grabs all the energy of your body, and it makes you weaker, and the other cells weaker, and it becomes stronger, and it kills you. Now, the moment we try to keep the life, this life of the flesh, alive by our own works, in other words, we want immortality, without seeing Jesus' death and resurrection when we have immortality in Him. And we just want to have this, we want to prolong our lives by, our, by, by saying, you know, I'm not going to have what Christ gave me. I'm not willing to lay down my old way of thinking. All you do is you're creating a cancer. I'm not talking about physical cancer in your body now. You are creating a monster that is a life that manifests sin and death in you. Th that is all. The old man had to die in Jesus so that a new man can come that can never die. The more we want to sustain and the more we want to, it's like, like Job. Job thought that by just saying the right thing all the time and never saying the wrong thing about God, he's going to have eternal life. Or in this way, he's going to be very prosperous and blessed if he never curses God, if he never says the wrong thing. And Job lived by a law which says, never say any bad thing about God, confess positive all the time, and if you neg never say any negative thing, then you will only be blessed. And what he realized is that it is not true. It is not true. That's what he realized. And he realized that he was actually using his own ability trying by his own ability to always say the right thing, want to get God to protect his stuff, making himself the creator of his life. And then he was actually declared as in the hands of the devil already because of that. That is it. And then destruction came, and as destruction came, people thought it was God because they didn't understand what was going on. And then he came to the realization at the end, my goodness, God is greater than me and he will never put his trust in humans that are dying. He will only trust himself to get the humans that are dying back to life. Amen. Now, I've made a point there that I want to explain. <clears throat> okay, so the first part of this message, I want, to, I want to bring this point. True understanding comes, true understanding of the scriptures comes from a foundation of the revelation of the resurrection. Once we understand that, we find what Paul calls the power of the resurrection, whereby we live and whereby we have what we would call a sin-conquering life in us, where we get set free from bitterness, hatred, uh, unnecessary arguments, and so forth, wherein we can, even in our family life, <coughs> have a security that it is God that brings forth peace in that situation. Hallelujah. That, that is what it is all about. And from this resurrection life, we have understanding of Scripture. That's the first point. Second point I'm trying to make is, um, quickly going over to, to, um, to Job here. And I want to just read for you from, from Job. You know, Job, there was something in the life of Job that was simply not um, the way it was supposed to be. And we're going to just look at what God is saying here. Now, I don't want to put the focus on Job. I want to put the focus on what God says about man's body. And we're going to go to Genesis 2 verse 7. 
and then I'm going to explain your design. And from that design, you're going to see, and what I'm going to explain is that you are a mortal being. And Adam, the day he was created, was not immortal. He was mortal. In the next message or some, message, some other time, I will explain on why he was mortal and not immortal the day he was made. Adam wasn't immortal. If Adam was immortal, he could never have died. But he did die. We know that. Okay? So we're going to quickly see why does God all the time come and he promised us something. He made a promise in Titus 1. Let me just read this quickly. In Titus 1 it says, <coughs> here, Paul, a servant of God and of uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in the hope of eternal life. So Paul says, I'm in the hope of eternal life. Since when was eternal life promised? Which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Okay. So that world began means time. So before time, God had a promise of eternal life. <laughs> so when the time start, now we can get into a big thing about that, but we see here that before time, that, that word eternal life there, uh, uh, before the world began, that world began means time. Before time began, God promised that he wants to give someone eternal life. The word Promise means the following. Um, let me read that to you. The word promise in Strong's means to announce upon, that is, to engage to do something. To assert something respecting oneself. To profess or to promise. In other words, so what God says is, I will give you eternal life. I promise eternal life wherein he says since it's a promise when you promise something is when you engage voluntary when you engage yourself voluntary to bring forth something in someone else when you actually says here when you engage to do something so in order for us, us to have life we cannot work because God promised that he will work to give us eternal life. He is the one that will work to give us eternal life. When did he promise this? He promised this before the world began. Meaning that he has never placed an emphasis on man's flesh or man's ability. He's never trusted man and whenever he, whatever he formed and made, he never trusted in the ability of what he made that it could attain unto eternal life, but he has formed and shaped that to be a vessel wherein he puts eternal life. So the focus all the time, all the time on, on God bringing forth his eternal life. He promised, he promised to engage in bringing that forth. Now, let's look at what God thinks about man's ability to produce life in himself. Now many of us will not even understand that if you are thinking, well, it is not about conquering death. It's not about conquering sin. Now you see the thing is, we've made it all about, traditionally in the church, about going to heaven. 
If that is your theology, I want to tell you the gospel will not make sense to you. The physical resurrection, the physical body will not make sense. You will only need the death of Jesus and the punishment of Jesus and then Jesus' spirit going to heaven and then you'll be able to go to heaven. Why a physical resurrection? The reason why there was a physical resurrection was because God's dream was never to try and take you to heaven. God's dream was to take heaven and unite it with earth and bring forth a, a glorified earth. That's what glorified earth means, a physical earth just like what it's now, if we want, if we want to, by lack of words, which has, doesn't have the glory of death but the glory of life. Job 4. This is Job, he had a dream. It says, Now a thing was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a little thereof. In thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, fear came upon me, and trembling, which made all of my bones to shake. So he says, I was so scared. He says, Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my face stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. It's exactly what happens when people... Um, don't understand the gospel. You see the spirit, but you don't understand the form thereof. You don't know what it is. An image was before my eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice saying. So Job says, I had a dream. And in this dream, the depth of night, I saw this vision, I saw a dream or something. But a spirit appeared before my eyes, and I was very afraid. And then the spirit said the following words. Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall man be more pure than his maker. Behold, he puts no trust in his servants and his angels he charges with folly. In other words, he sees, he sees lack and inability in his servants. Meaning, he doesn't, see the, he doesn't see that they can do the job. That's what it means. How much less in them that dwell in houses of clay whose foundation is in the dust which are crushed before the moth. They are destroyed from morning until evening. How will it trust people that are dying all day? They perish forever without any regarding it. Do not their excellency which is in them go away. They die even without wisdom. So what he's saying here is that we are made out of dust. Psalm 103. Let me let me quickly read that. <clears throat> I hope I get the right verse here. It says, It says, For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are as the grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall, be no, uh, shall know it no more. Then it goes on, it says, the glory of man is, just for a time, he's not an immortal, iter, inherently immortal being. Then it goes on, it says, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. So what is he saying? He says, the glory of man is, the ability of man, God knows that we are just dust and that we don't have the ability to have immortal life inside us. We don't have that. So if we call on our own ability, what are we going to experience? Sin and whatever sin leads unto, which is death. 
We're going to look in Genesis now and explain that. So he says my, God is mindful that we don't have that ability. But, so in other words, he says man is for a time being. But that is not a problem to God because his mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. Therefore, we that are mortal beings that cannot have eternal life by our own works, when we face the mercy of God and receive the mercy of God, since His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting, we will enter through His mercy into the eternal and be made immortal. And once we receive the mercy of God to conquer our sin and death, since we have now entered and are the possessors of eternal life, we are saved from the body of death mentioned in Romans 7 and now we can actually have a life where we are not condemned to the fruit of the flesh anymore but where we can have the Spirit bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in us and wait for the adoption which is the salvation of our physical bodies into the glorious body like that one of Jesus, where those who have already died in Christ will be raised up immortal. Those who live on the earth in His return will be changed in the twinkling of an eye without experiencing physical death. That is what 1 Corinthians 15 teaches. Now people are going to say, why are we teaching on these things? What does that mean? This is Christianity. Yeah, but I don't need this and I don't know why I need to understand. Ask God to show you this and then once you see this truth, the scriptures will be open to you. The logic on how the power of God works will be open to you. And you'll start to see the fruit of God effortlessly manifest inside you. Glory to God. Fear will start to fall off your back. Amen. Glory to God. Now, with that in mind, it says that God, God knows that even His angels has got shortcomings. He says... How much more will he not put his trust in people who live in houses of clay whose foundation is dust? He, he doesn't trust you to bring forth holiness in you. He doesn't trust you in the smallest bit that you can bring forth joy by obeying the law. He doesn't trust you. He knows your frame and you should know your frame. We should know our frame. That's why the biggest thing that we, when we talk about Satan and the fall of Satan and all of that is pride. Pride is to think something of yourself, to think more highly of yourself than what you ought to think. If you think that by your repentance every day from sin, you can cause rain to fall out of heaven, you're thinking too much of yourself. Jesus goes so far in John to say, of yourselves you can do zilch, nothing, zero. That's it. But if you abide in me, then who I am, the immortal, eternal, will abide in you. And then whatever your request is, whatever your shortcoming is, will be met by the Father. And He will raise you up out of your sin. He will raise you up out of your death. But we've made the gospel the message of, uh, you know, how to get God not to be angry with us. The Father was never the church's problem. The anger of God has never been the problem. 
I thank God for His anger because His anger is revealed to what destroys us. Amen. Hallelujah. God is not angry with His people. He's never been angry with us. He's a loving God. Jesus didn't have to come to save the Father from His anger. He had to come to save us from sin and death, church. Hallelujah. Now, ending off with Genesis 2. Looking at our frame here. So, I'm just going to say to you that we were made from the dust of the earth. Now, I want to read from the, from the uh, uh, Hebrew here. In Genesis 2, 7. Talking about the makeup of man. <clears throat> Let me just read the verse here. It says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Okay, the Lord God formed man from what? From the dust of the ground. I mean, you guys, I don't have it on the screen here, but those of you that open your Bibles, you'll see it there. It says, and the Lord God formed, fashioned, decreed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, let us just look at that. And the Lord God formed man. I'm going to look at the formed there and man later. But we're going to see he's made from the dust the word dust in the Hebrew means dry dust, dust, powder, ashes, earth, ground, mortar, or rubbish. Mm. Now, no, 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 no. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm not rubbish. No, no, you are not rubbish. You are the beloved of God. You are the one that He loved so much that He gave His Son for. But as pertaining to your own ability to attain unto life, it's just rubbish. That's why the Bible says that our most righteous work is like filthy rags before Him. It's just rubbish. Because what He has taken us from, now I'm not, I'm not about to explain why it uses those words and why we're made from the dust of the earth. There's a reason why God did that. Now I don't want to get into that. That's a teaching on its own. But what He's talking about here is that man was made from the dust or the powder, or the mortar, or the rubbish, the debris, debris. Now, remember when the Twin Towers exploded? I mean, it was just, it fell in. Those airplanes went in there, it exploded. The debris was everywhere. So it says here that man was made from the rubbish, and the debris, of the earth. That word earth or the, um, in verse 7 there, 2-7, or the ground means the following. The word ground, let me just look at the, the Hebrew word for ground here. The Hebrew word for ground is the word Adama. Adama. A-D-A-M-A-H. A-D-A-M-A-H. A-M-A-H, Adama. But the word man, that he, the word man is the word Adam. So he's saying, God took the debris 
or God took the rubbish, the dust of the Adama, the earth, and he made it alive. Now, he, he put breath of life into it. He made it alive. I believe he took the lowest part of what was on the earth and he, out of the greatest nothingness or rubbish, he came and he breathed life into that. And there's a reason for that because that's how he will recreate everything and make everything new and make the whole world filled with his glory. So if he can win the lowest thing, then the highest will also be won. That's the that's why Adam had dominion. We don't have time to get into that. But I've got four minutes, five minutes to finish this. So he says here that he made man, he formed man. Let us just look at the word formed there. Elohim formed. The word formed means, according to Strong's, to squeeze into shape, to mold into a form, especially as a potter. Figuratively, this is what we want to see, the figurative thing here to determine, that is to form a resolution. So he said that he's going to form a resolution. A resolution means a firm decision to do or not to do something. The quality of being determined. In other words, when he made man, he made man from the dust of the earth, he determined the quality of being by what he made him from. In other words, if you want to look at your quality of being without God, you can only say, because God has decreed, and that's it says, He knows our frame, that we are just dust. He knows that inside ourselves, we don't have eternal life by ourselves. It is, it is not possible. But He knows His mercy and how He can, out of this nothing, create something that can be a co-sharer of His life and His life force and everything that He is, that that nothing or that rubbish can be glorified into something that can actually have a seat in the Godhead, in the Trinity. And from, and the fact that He would take that dust of the earth, the debris, the leftover rubbish of the earth, and if He can give life to that, and that thing can have dominion over everything in the earth, then He will come and bring forth a whole planet, a whole universe, flooded with the glory that he can put in one grain of dust. One speck of dust. Amen. That is what it's all about, church. So Jesus, so, so here we come and we see that as pertaining to our own ability, this is why God said to Adam, Adam, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is to say, I'm using my own words, to be at a place where you say, I am a self-existing one. Because the moment you say, I am by myself going to exist like God forevermore, you will surely die, for I have decreed that in you, that is in your flesh, in your own ability, dwells nothing good, but that you would be a temple of me, and that you will be a house or a pot which I will glorify, which where my beauty will be its beauty when I indwell it, and no other way. Glory to God. Church, we are running out of time and I, you know, you can understand now why we will have to talk about this more and more. But I want to say this to you. You'll have to go to my website, go to dynamicministries.com and if you want to listen to, to this in, in, in a 25-minute session, you can just click on television broadcast 
there on my website. Go to messages, click on television broadcast, and you will see TBN there. And there all these messages are uploaded. I'm I'm, I'm, this is being preached on TBN and different channels uh, all over the world. So go and grab a hold of it. Listen to these messages there on my website, dynamicministries.com or bertiebrits.com. And say to God, God, I want to understand these things. And you will find Him showing you the revelation of the resurrection from where you will understand everything. Glory to God. The resurrection is not a cutting off of the old. It is a, a continuation of the old, but a new glory, the glory of immortality and not the glory of dust anymore. And that's how God makes everything new in Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Well, I want to thank you that you've watched this broadcast. I trust that you've been blessed by this. Let me pray for you. Father, I stretch forth my hands to the people that are watching. I declare they are blessed, touched, the blessed of God. The power of God is over them. Healing signs and wonders take place in their bodies as a sign of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, as we can believe this truth, see your scripture, and have your power live in us. Amen. Thank you so much for watching, guys, and I will see you again next week.